Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We shift to Canada on episode 38. Master Grant Smith chats with Chris Gregory of Eco Pools and discusses Porton Place projects. Stay tuned as we figure out what the weather's like up in Canada. You do not want to miss the next lifestyle event with Ask the Masters on February 27th and 28th. We are being hosted by Bazaza Tile, Laticrete, and Wet Edge, and we're going to get dirty. We're actually going to install paper-faced Bazaza Tile with the backdrop of Laticrete, all at the Wet Edge facility. Enjoy. Hi, we're here with Ask the Masters, and this is Grant Smith with Aquiline Pools and Spas. I'm here with Chris Gregory from Eco Pools from Toronto, Canada. Chris, thanks for coming in today. Hey, no problem, buddy. Nice to talk to you again. Hey. Yeah, awesome. Hey, I look forward to seeing you every year at the uh, at the big show uh, at the International Pools uh, Spa Patio because, uh, uh, you know, we, I've, I think I've known you now for about five or six years. Um, kind of tell me about, I know you've told me about some of the things you've done in the past, but kind of tell me how you got started in the business and where you got started and and uh, you know, and where you, and where you're at right now? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, I guess it was. Well, I, I got started in the business back in '88. Uh, it was a it was with a company just north of Toronto in Aurora uh, called Lifestyle Pools. Um, back then, I, uh, I was pretty green. I was about 20 years old. Um, didn't know anything about pools, and uh, and just kind of fell into it. A friend of mine. Uh, it got me into the job. He knew my sister. He worked with my sister. So, um, yeah, he, uh, he said, Hey, they're looking for some guys, uh, uh, for laborers in a uh, pool company. You're looking, uh, you know, are you interested? And, uh, so I, uh, yeah, I was, uh, went down, applied, got the job, started the following Monday. This was a Friday. And, uh, ever since then I've been a pool guy. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you you fell into the business like a lot of us do, just uh, looking for work or just uh, can't figure out what they want to do, and you know somebody who knew somebody, and uh, that's how you got into the business. So, I, I know you've uh, I know you you built some pools down in Australia. Tell me, you know, how long were you there, and and what was that like to build like in Australia? I know you're in Canada, you know, right now, yeah. but w- what was Australia like? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it to anybody if they even want to just take a trip. Um, people yeah. are great down there. Um, I did it as uh, I, I initially went down just as a, um, you know, just one of those working holiday type things. I was 24. Uh, this is going back in 92. Um, so I just, uh, I thought, you know what? Uh, it was January of 92. I uh, hopped on a plane. I uh, just went down, wasn't planning on staying more than probably three to six months, and uh, uh, ended up meeting a girl before Taylor's over there. And, of course. Uh, <laughs> met her at Manly Beach, uh, and then we just kind of hung together, and, uh, and uh, yeah, we stayed together for about three and a half years. We were going to get married. That didn't happen, but um, I stayed on for another, uh, I guess, just over two years after that. So I was, I was down there from 92 to 98. And, uh, yeah, no, great time. Um, we traveled a lot with the company that I was working with. We were kind of traveling all over, uh, putting in pools. We did commercial residential. Uh, they were getting into a lot of the edge detail back then. Um, they had some different methods of doing it back then. Um, so, uh, we did a lot of manufacturing in the factory and on site. We did. Uh, we also put in uh, liner pools, uh, commercial grade and residential. 
Um, but uh, yeah, we did a lot of edge detail, and uh, that was uh, both residential and commercial. Gotcha. Now, now the edge details. How how uh, what years were were those? Was it in ninety seven, ninety eight, or and were they like perimeter perimeter overflow edge details, or just negative edge, or just one sided edge? Uh, a lot of perimeter overflow. They did a lot of wet decks for the commercial side. Uh, we did uh, we put in uh, pools for um, uh, Olympics, uh, like the Olympics. We did a lot of uh, twenty five meter type pools. Um, oh, wow. and our tolerances back then were. From end to end, we're about a one millimeter. Your tolerances uh, were from wow. uh, end to end, so it was uh, plus you had a twenty mil uh, millimeter thick touch pad that you had to incorporate with that uh, with that length. Um, but they were uh, they were perimeter overflows. We did uh, a two sided um, uh, balance. Well, it wasn't a balance tank. We'd have a balance tank, but we also did a two sided trough. And then we, we incorporated a uh, coping stone that went on top that also had a grate system in the middle of it. So we leveled those with stainless steel uh, threaded rod up and down and uh, sealed the joints with polyurethane and wow. underneath. And, uh, and then had all our pipe sizing um, done. Uh, engineers did all that back then. Had no clue about pipes <laughs> right. or flow yeah. rates or anything like that. So. Um, yeah, so it was all engineered out and, uh, yeah, they went in pretty good. They went in pretty slick. Um, even our water stops back then, we use, uh, we used a lot of what we use today, uh, like hydrotite water stops for, uh, in between the joints, key joints and that kind of thing. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, we just, uh, <laughs> now did you guys do a lot of like, uh, did, did you guys do a lot of more shotcrete or was it the cast in place like you're doing now? It, uh, back then it was more like if it was just a backyard pool, it was more shotcrete. And, um, yeah, I mean, the pools back then, you know, you'd be looking at like a 12, 24 type thing. They weren't very big, four or five feet, uh, you know, average depth was probably about five feet in the center. Right. Uh, steel, everything like that. Pebble tech. Um, actually they, they were the original, um, uh, uh, in, not installers, but uh, they originated Pebble Tech back then. Uh, we called it Pebble Creek back then. You, you also used it on decks, but in the pool and that kind of thing. Um, right. And that was pretty much back then. That was that was kind of the the go to finish as far as uh, right. you know your backyard pool went. Right. Didn't you guys also start the? Uh, you know, you did a lot of salt before uh, in Australia, then before you got over here to the states. Yeah, yeah. They came out with the salt systems back then. Uh, I think it was, I'm trying to think of the name. It begins with an M. They came out, uh, they started salt systems back then in about 72. And, right. uh, and then it kind of, I know in, in Canada, I know it came over in the States quite earlier, but in Canada, it kind of arrived here about 98, I think, 99 was starting right. to get, uh, used and, and is used quite, quite a bit. Even today, I mean, you still have a lot of manufacturers out there, a lot of companies out there that are still installing it. People recommend it, um, even though there is a lot of different sanitizers that we use in the pools today. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's still quite an ongoing thing, especially right. with the vinyl liner pools here. People like to incorporate right. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, kind of getting back to Canada now. Uh, do you guys do more vinyl liner pools up there, or do you do yeah, concrete, uh, you know, down here, at least on the West Coast and Texas and Florida? You know, you know, shotcrete is king. 
but what about up there in Canada? Is it more bundle liner or, or the other way around? It's, uh, I, I'd say middle of the road is vinyl liner. Definitely. Your, your average right. backyard pool, um, cost wise, you're probably around the 60 mark, 50, 60 mark. That's kind of average for a vinyl liner pool. Then you've got, you know, all the other stuff on top of it, landscaping and that kind of thing. Um, definitely, uh, concrete is more the upper crust. Now you're into, you know, 120 up kind of thing. Right. And with edge detail and that kind of thing, then you're into, you know, into the hundreds of thousands kind of thing. So we try and incorporate, right. uh, with the, with the cast in place, we try and incorporate, um, bunkers, that kind of thing. If, if it's going to be an edge detail type thing, we like to incorporate a bunker with it if we can. And then part right. of that bunker is your, your lid and your decking on top. Let's yeah. kind of get into that. That's one reason why, you know, we got you on today because, uh, you know, we, you know, we know each other and, and I follow yeah. you on Instagram and, and, and some of the jobs you do are just, you know, to me, for someone in, in, in Southern California, you know, we do some crazy stuff here, but, uh, you know, when I see you out there excavating an entire backyard down like six feet, it, uh, you know, it definitely uh, looks uh, like an enormous job to do. So kind of explain how, you know, uh, what you do as far as cast in place and, uh, you know, how the, you know, let's just, just start, kind of start with the process. What do you do normally, you know, like when you first get into the backyard and you're doing one of those bunkers and you and you got to move dirt, mm -hmm. but, you know, what's the first step in the process in that? Well, if you're first step is basically uh, your your base slab. Once you get the excavation out, um, we we put in a base slab. Uh, nice part about that is it's nice and flat. Uh, we incorporate all our um, all our plumbing in that we need in that base slab. Um, with a bunker, it's like building a basement. We do. Um, we do a foundation, like we do a, a base slab. We uh, we put in our um, sump pits, that kind of stuff. So you're going to be irrigating around that whole structure, um, and then we work up from there. Um, our concrete walls uh, form up from the base slab. Um, if there's any engineering underneath, if there's any support, then that can be incorporated into the base slab, and then we just basically work our walls up from there. Uh, right. Our pool so walls. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to go back to the sump pits. Um, are those sump pits like in the uh, equipment area, or do you have them? I mean, are you talking about the sumps like in the pool for the main drains, or, or just like a sump pit in the equipment area to drain out any water that may get into the, you know, into the equipment equipment area? Yep, exactly. So it's like building a basement. Um, I don't know. Do you guys do you guys have basements in? California? Well, we don't. Well, we don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'd be really rare. I mean, yeah. most of what we deal with is we, we deal with a lot of, uh, I mean, there are basements in, in one area of, uh, especially like uh, where I do some work in Newport Beach, they can't build yeah. above a certain height because of the ocean view. So they do do technically basements, but they're more, yeah. um, you know, living, living spaces. But uh, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty unusual. Most of the times, most of our houses are built on uh, slabs on grade. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're kind of unfamiliar basements. I'm sure some of our listeners are in different parts of the country, like the Northeast or the East or the Midwest, and they're really familiar with it. But uh, there's a whole segment of people out here in the Southern part that uh, never probably have been in a basement before. Right, right, right. Well, here in Canada, we got a lot of basements. Uh, they're generally the same thing. They're living spaces. Uh, it's just another, another floor, another level, if you want. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, 
So in certain areas or in most areas, uh, you're going to have sump pits. And what that does is it takes away the groundwater around the foundation of the pool and it basically pipes it through the wall and into these sump pits. And then you've got uh, a sump uh, a sump pump that takes that water and shoots it out to the street or wherever, wherever it's going to go into the swale, wherever you've got it, and gets rid of that water. Otherwise, um, in some cases, if they're badly built, then, you know, your, your basement leaks. Basically, it comes right, out exactly. uniform from that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. you like to get your hands dirty with Ask the Masters? Save the date, February 27th and 28th, 2020. Okay. So so going back to kind of after you pour the floor, uh, you know, you got to cr- create a connection point between the floor and the wall. Uh, kind of explain that process, what you do as far as, you know, your water stops and, and what you use and, and how do you leave the connection point rough like you would with shotcrete or you just leave it smooth and your water stop uh, goes in there or how's, how's that process work? Well, okay. So, the connection you're going to have that cold joint obviously between the floor and the uh and the wall and uh generally what you'd have is a key joint in there and then you'd have a water stop that sits into that key joint so as you're pouring your wall down that just fills in the void there and then any water migration through the cold joint itself will hit the expandable water stop and basically just seal it um we use uh, a Sika brand that uh sits in to that it just basically it rolls out and it sits into the key joint there and then it's just like an expandable um rubber it's just uh it just once it hits water it expands and it seals that joint so now you're you've got a watertight vessel in between that that cold joint uh, the floor and the wall right. and then you can also so, use uh yeah no go ahead yeah, so then you can also use that for uh, your penetrations too uh we use either PVC or we can use um an expandable water stop around the uh, the joints, and we sleeve through the walls, so that uh, those those sleeves are already embedded in the in the in the wall itself. So um, everything's everything's in place. And then once we pour our walls, obviously our, our steel structure is all in place there. Everything is tied off, and it's uh, it's very easy. I mean, we uh, we do a lot of pours. We do multiple pours on on our jobs. Uh, average maybe 70 to 80 meters of pour. We don't need many guys, which is great because all the forming work's already done. All your all your heavy lifting labor, all that kind of stuff, has already been done. So it's more just getting the pump in, pouring the walls, floating the top. Um, the base slab is the only thing, and that's that's basically a, a mass. Uh, you know, it's it's just mass concrete that uh, we float level. So right. there's not a now, lot of yep. No, I was just going to say when you're pouring the walls, going back to that, the, yeah, obviously you vibrate, you use a vibrator to you know vibrate the concrete in there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that leaves like a smooth surface. Uh, how do you you know for your finishes that go on the on the concrete surface, do you scarify them or or do they t- turn out you know rough enough from the form where you don't have to worry about that? No, we grind all our walls down. So we do scarify them, and then uh, and then we'll uh, we'll do our um, our you know we'll we'll work with the waterproofing, uh, you know, 
uh, right against the concrete. We've got waterproofing against the concrete, and then we work our way out. If we're doing tiling, uh, it depends on what we're doing, really. I mean, if we're doing a pebble check then with a uh, with a tile border, then um, we we do that, and then we've got our bond uh, coat right there. Now, now pebble check, which we use quite a bit up here, uh, they used to use. Um, can I say uh, brand names on? Yeah, that's fine. Just, yeah, not a problem. Used to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they used to use uh, base creep, uh, so it was rough enough, so it would be it would act as their bond coat. So it, it was uh, a two part. Uh, one would be the waterproofing, and the other side would be the bond coat to attach to. Um, okay, but gotcha. basically, yes, we do grind the walls down. To answer your question okay. there. Yeah. Okay, like do you use any uh, integral integral waterproofing in the concrete, or just you just rely on like a a membrane like? Like base cream. We we do rely on the membrane. Um, I I am not opposed to doing integral. I just worry about the the combination between the two and if there would be any delamination between the two. I know oh. there's there's been talk about it back and forth and, and certain things. And I think uh, I think I think there there are different products out there that work well with each other and some that don't. So um, right right yeah. 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 But most of the time, it's just, yeah. You know, we've had that discussion before, you know, on the podcast and, you know, you really got to be careful about if you use an integral waterproof, uh, water damning product, you got to make sure your, uh, your, uh, membrane is compatible with it. So that's a great point. Yeah. 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 I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts and there, you know, I mean, there's, uh, there's so much information that you guys, give out there which is just amazing i uh i love it and i hope it just continues on and on um yeah well because that's what we got here uh, yeah well that's where we got you on this one because uh not a lot of guys do cast in place so so i'm going back to the going back to the walls and some of the waterproofing aspects do you obviously on the outside you know on the on the dirt side of the wall you use some kind of waterproofing uh, or water, you know, damning product. Uh, what, what's the protocol on the outside of the wall that you guys do? Uh, on the outside, uh, we we build it much like a basement. Um, we do tar the outside, and then we um, we put a uh, like a corrugated membrane that allows the water to drain down in behind the wall, um, and then right down to basically the base where we've got our um, our uh, weeping tile which runs in a bed of gravel and that runs right around the whole structure. And then that ties right into our sump pits. So from yeah, there, then right. the water gets taken away. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Now kind of, let's go into the, uh, your equipment vaults a little bit. Um, yeah. you know, they, uh, some of the pictures I've seen that you do, I mean, they're really spectacular to be honest with you. Um, you know, rarely do you ever see, you know, some of the stuff you do, uh, here in the States, uh, or at least for you know, in the in the southern parts. Um, uh, so kind of get into that. And how how do you lay them out? Do you use like a CAD system, or or do you just you know based off your experience, you just know where everything goes? And because uh, they really look uh, super neat and clean. And and uh, kind of get into the vault and how you set that up. Uh, y- you know what i i do I, I do some of it a little bit of a on pool studio just to just to get the uh, placement of the, you know, just to see the placement of the uh, piping and that kind of thing. We do a lot of it on paper, actually. Um, I don't do CAD. I'd like to learn CAD, but um, we do a lot of it on grid paper. And we basically break it down into wall sections. Um, so with our lighting, we save through. We, we, we have, you know, even though it's a 2D view, we do a 3D view on paper. 
of the uh, of the penetrations, the size of the piping, that kind of thing. And then we can sleeve through the walls, the floor, and kind of set up the the equipment room that way. Um, the one uh, that we're on in the summertime right now, it's pretty big. Actually, the equipment room is actually huge. Uh, the customer wanted lots of storage space, so we're about fifteen to 1,600 square feet down there, minus the spa. Wow. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, yeah so, that's bigger than a lot of houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a whole it's a whole other room down there. So, And we've had a lot of room to put our equipment. Um, we've got our balance tanks that run into that. We've got hatches that we can access everything. Um, and then running the plumbing is great. Uh, other than the penetrations going through the walls and into the concrete, we can pretty much access all our plumbing that way too as well. So if, if by chance we had any uh, breakdown or if there was a freeze-thaw, uh, frost that cracked a pipe, we can access that without having to dig anything up and and right. uh, be able to fix that within, you know, you know, a matter of a couple hours or whatever. So that's the right, beauty right. of it. And it's also frost-free. So in our climate, we get a lot of frost and we get a lot of heaving. So we try and incorporate the bunker with the decks in that kind of a style. Um, and then if they've got other things like outdoor cabanas and that kind of stuff that we can sleeve up through, then all of our equipment is hidden away and all of our penetrations are coming up into the areas that need to be like the kitchen area or the wall areas for uh, the ceiling and that kind of stuff. And then we can hide a lot of stuff, which is great too as well. Right. Are those the comment vaults, are they heated or, or year round or are they just, you don't put a heater in there? Uh, not, not generally, uh, generally, well, we do insulate them. And, uh, if we've got stuff that's running year round, if, if it's, if the pool's not closed down or if we've got a spa that's running, uh, the heat from the, uh, the heater and the, and the pump can keep it at a above temperature anyway, if need be, we do heat them. If, if we have to, right. we can put in either space heaters or proper, proper heating, proper, um, electrical heating in there, that kind of thing. But Generally, they're pretty good. Um, once you get beyond four feet, you're into ambient temperatures in Canada, which is around 55 degrees. Right. Yeah. So, uh, then, the, yeah, so I know once you go below a certain depth and, and dirt, you're kind of you, you, you reach a point where it doesn't really get that cold. Um, kind of what do you use for chemical systems? Do you install those on in the in the vault, or what do you guys generally do for that? Uh, well, it's depending on the price. Uh, the one that I was just describing that we're working on, we've got um, we've got full Pentair automation. Um, we've got the Telecenter that just came out this year in Canada, so we're we're trying that out on this one. And uh, right. we've got um, Clearwater Ozone, um, so oh, we've okay. got their system on it too as well. Yeah, so we're incorporating right. that with the. Uh, with the full automation, we've got Intellichem, um, so we're, we're uh, dosing it with uh, chlorine, and then we, uh, we've got CO2 adjustment for the acid. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, you gotta you got to vent out your, your vault. How do you generally vent out your vault? Um, is it just like you figure out, you know, a fan, or is there a vent coming out of the deck somewhere, or how do you, how do you, move, how do you move air out of that thing? Well, uh, we're we're elevated above, so uh, above the ground. So we've got our uh, penetrations coming out the sidewall of the uh, of the bunker. So oh, okay, um, gotcha. on the far side of the house, there, yeah, most of the penetrations are behind the kitchen area, which, which we've got a wall there. 
and then we've got uh, washroom and change room behind that. So um, yeah, okay. so it's well it's well hidden or it's hidden enough anyway. But pretty much the way you'd be venting out of your your basement um, in Canada with all your piping and that kind of stuff for your furnace, your uh, your heating, your air conditioning, all that kind of thing that comes out of that. So. Right. So, yeah, you're talking about you use a lot of pebble, you know, pebble tech up there or a pebble system. Is that the majority of the concrete pools that get up there or do you do any kind of plaster work or just regular plaster? No, they've still got plaster. They've still got uh, SGM is big up here. Pebble tech came in, I think pebble tech came in about five years ago and uh, Peter Van Vakris and Gene Brown, um, they kind of brought it into Canada. Um, so, yeah, I started using it. I've known Pete for a while um, through Genesis, actually, and uh, and uh, Gene on the West Coast. I've uh, I've known not as well, but um, right. yeah, met him through Genesis yeah. as well. But uh, yeah, we use their product, and it's amazing. Yeah, love right. it. Right, oh, awesome. So, so for for your area, I know sometimes people do you know different building practices because some things aren't available. Is there a reason in particular why? You guys use cast in place, or you're more geared towards that versus shotcrete. I think honestly, um, me personally, and I don't think we've got uh, the quality that you guys have in the states, uh, as far as the guys that are operating the hoses and that kind of thing. At least with cast in place, we keep it in house, so all of our right. stuff is done in house, and we can control it that way. Uh, it doesn't go beyond that, and then we, with our steel placement, we can. We can, uh, you know, we can we can get everything exact. We we know what we're doing. Um, uh, edge detail is great, especially with cast in place. We can get uh, everything. Exact tolerances are, are amazing. If we were doing, uh, you know, um, we do all tile pools as well. Um, so we get very very close with our tolerances that way too. I mean, you, you know, you, you still need to float things out a little bit. But uh, other than that, it's pretty, everything's pretty exact. And right. to get another company to trust another company to come in and do that, um, now we're starting to lose that control. And, and uh, I right. I believe, you know, at least with the cast in place, we don't need a huge crew either. I mean, with right. the amount of guys that some of the companies that they come in and use, I mean, we can get away with, you know, um, half a dozen or less guys on a job. Right. And yeah. Great. I mean, that is one thing I've heard. I like Gene Brown. I've heard him talk about you know the nice thing about cast in place, especially with edge pools or overflow pools, is um, you know you can be really exact with everything down to the you know sixteenth of an inch practically. And and that's that is the downside of shockery is uh, when you're shooting you know overflow pools or you know, although we do a lot of form work you know even with with, with shockery even if we're doing a, a negative edge pool or you know if we're doing a perimeter overflow pool we I'll do it in two or three different shots just because there's just no way you can properly you know shoot a pool uh, that has a lot of detail in it in one day so uh but that is the nice thing you know about cast in place is that you can use you know you can get down to the to the to the millimeter i guess you could say um you know that's that'd be the advantage of it so and and plus when you're you're vibrating that concrete you're you're really getting a uh, you're starting off you know with a kind of uh you know your first step of a i always say the first step of a watertight shell is you know the concrete so you know when you got it yeah. nice, nicely formed and you're vibrating it i'm sure it's a pretty tight uh, matrix you know that you guys do so yeah yeah your consolidation is 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 a pretty much a hundred percent. Like, you know, I mean, 
and then you know you don't you don't get the shadowing you would uh, if the steel's not placed properly or if you don't have your lap splices that kind of thing. So uh, definitely with cast and place, yeah, you're you're consolidating that all the way around everything. You know your pipe penetrations, right. your steel, all that kind of thing. And that you're absolutely right. That's that's the great part of it. And then uh, and then from there we grind everything back. You know to a three or a right. five CPS or whatever. Yeah. Right. Every pebble in your pool has a story. Come find that story with Ask the Masters on February 27th and 28th, Mesa, Arizona. Well, well, we all know concrete shrink. So how do you deal with uh, you know some of your shrinkage cracks that you get in your cast and place walls? Uh, well, we, we grind them out and we fill them. Um, if they're, if they're really bad, uh, we try not to get, you know, um, too much in the way of shrinkage cracks, but everybody does. And, uh, and then we fill them and then we've got, um, our membrane that goes over top of that. Right. Gotcha. Now just a real quick question for you on, on the connection point between the wall and the floor. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen this before and maybe the guy just didn't do the cast in place correctly, but is there any fear of like the plaster cracking right at that corner? Um, have you ever had that problem or what do you guys do to, 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 uh, you know, remediate that problem, uh, you know, if it happens or how do you prevent it from happening? Uh, well, you know, it depends on even the wall sections too, as well. I mean, if you've got a long wall, um, you're susceptible to that wall bending, to a certain point and uh, whether you have uh, support behind it, like buckouts or, or what, what you're going to be doing to support that wall, a freestanding wall is strong, uh, but it will flex and it will bend and it can move. Um, so definitely supports behind it, uh, buckouts and that kind of thing, uh, you know, depending on the, the span of the wall. Um, other than that, I mean, the floor in the in the wall. We also fill the pool, so we don't um, we don't fill it with gravel. We actually fill it with concrete all the way up, hmm. and right. uh, we we form the floor, the walls, the stairs, everything like that. So um, even it, like if we formed it with gravel and compacted the crap out of that thing all the way up, the amount of time it takes to do that, and the possibility that you could get the floor to even move a fraction is is not worth it. And what we pay for concrete up there, because we are pouring so much, um, it just makes more sense time over dollars to just fill it up with concrete. Hmm. Wow. That's uh, now is the concrete like a slurry or is it just full on like pea gravel or, you know, three quarter rock that you guys do on that application? No, it's um, the concrete is actually, it's, it's all uh, it's minimum uh, 4640 PSI, which is 32 MPA up here. That's what we right. pour it at. Um, some of the jobs we pour 35, but um, yeah, that's our minimum, and that's what we use on basically everything. If it was something other, not structural, we might use a lesser strength. But other than that, yeah, definitely, yeah. Right. Gotcha. Now, now going back to kind of the sump pits. Um, I mean, how active are those sump pumps? I mean, do you get a lot of water drainage that uh, happens, or just uh, every once in a while the pump kicks on? Uh, it just depends on the area. So, I mean, if we've got, um, if the the area is quite uh, saturated or that kind of thing, then yes, the sump pits will be uh, will be kicking on more often, uh, just like a basement too as well. Um, in some areas, uh, like in some of the areas around uh, 
Toronto and that kind of thing, where you're into sand and that kind of thing, uh, they don't put some pits in at all. Everything just basically right. drains right down. But when you're into clay areas and that kind of stuff, you'll get you'll get amount you know you'll get a certain amount of water around the foundation, and once it builds up, then it collects in the in the weeping tile and then straight into the pit, and then and then we just basically evacuate it right out to the street or to the uh, to the swales wherever it goes. Right. Um, yeah. One quick question: We were kind of talking about tile before. Um, do you yeah. guys just do a lot of porcelain tile application? Have you worked with glass? I mean, with the temperature differential up there, you got to be really careful with uh, the materials you work with. What, what, what do you guys uh, pretty much use up there in in, in, in Toronto? Uh, porcelain definitely, uh, just because it's cheaper. Glass actually, we're we're going to be doing a glass tile, uh, light stream glass tile on uh, a project uh, uh, that we're doing right now that uh, will be on the outside and and partially on the inside. And um, it's just the it's just the way it's supplied. And uh, the more we learn through the industry, the more I've learned through the industry, and definitely uh, Genesis and and going, you know. Right. Going forward is uh, the applications, you know, the IDs and the applications change uh, so much. Right. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the best possible. We do de- get delamination on certain things if it's not applied right. Um, but other than that, yeah, we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that we've got, you know, 100% of a product that we can give our customers. Well, well, going back to to plaster, like you guys shut down your do, um, do most of the pools shut down or do you keep them open, you know, year round? Uh, uh, on your concrete. Most most of them most of them do shut down. Um, if if we're doing something like an edge detail or, or something like that, that's you know you've got the visual. But um, if we can incorporate um, boiler systems, say in the house, if if the clients are on a boiler system, then we can we can pretty much keep that pool four or five degrees above freezing and they can enjoy it all year round. We've got some pools out there mm. that, uh, that run all year round and are great. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so, so kind of going back to the heating real quick and, um, do you guys do any geothermal stuff up there or have you done any of that geothermal, uh, you know, systems? There is guys around that do it. I, I personally haven't. Um, it's, you know, unless you're building a new, house it can get expensive your return is about 20 years on the product okay. um, so it's something that um, yeah we we haven't we haven't de- dealt with uh, companies that are doing it at this point uh, but definitely it is around and it's great um, but I would think more more to the new housing that kind of stuff a lot of people do do the boiler system and right. uh, and then if we can tie into that that's great too as well it's amazing right gotcha all right, cool. Well, well, Chris, I got to tell you, I've I've learned a lot <laughs> just in the last thirty minutes from you, and you know this is what we're all about here on NASA Masters. And um, you know, I just I knew we do. I do a certain amount of cast in place, but it's typically just for like walls or decorative walls and things like that, or retaining walls. So you know, to actually uh, you know kind of learn the process about how you do a pool is, I, I think I learned a lot today myself. So um, you know, really appreciate you coming on here, spending some time with us. And, um, you know, I'm glad that you enjoyed the podcast and listened to it. That's why we're here is to educate everybody. And, and I can guarantee you, you yourself educated a lot of people today. Uh, well, it, same, same as, and I enjoy listening to the podcast and you guys. And, uh, I mean, it's a learning experience for all of us. We won't stop. And, 
And uh, it's just, it's amazing what you guys are doing, you know, and well, going forward with everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on, and uh, I hope to see you here uh, next year at the show. Definitely. Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, you too. Okay. We'll go, go right, for thanks, some Chris. more drinks. All right. Okay. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Awesome Masters podcast. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page each week on Tuesdays for new episodes of the show. I also want to encourage you to stop by the Ask the Masters Facebook page and invite other like-minded individuals to join us there as well. Feel free to jump into the conversations and even post your own questions. We want to create a community which fosters learning and discovery for the betterment of us all. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please be sure to subscribe and feel free to share. 